You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. A very warm welcome to our program on Tasawwuf and Tazkiyatul Nafs, Purification of the Soul, exclusive to Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Alhamdulillah, this beautiful evening, very warm evening. But Alhamdulillah, beautiful nonetheless. We are coming to you live from Musalla Yunus out in Panorama, Cape Town. And Alhamdulillah, we've been discussing different, different sifat of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We've gone through the truthfulness of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the sabr and the patience of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And today, inshallah, bi-ibnillah, we will commence the topic on the generosity, the sakhawat of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now what we must remember that, you know, alhamdulillah, one is Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam was perfect in all of these sifat and qualities. Uh, there is no one that could be better than Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was the pinnacle of generosity and hence we discuss these sifati hamida these good qualities of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so that we can also inculcate them and bring them alive into our day-to-day interactions so it's not just for us to speak about it but it's also the implementation so here again, we have the prescription. It's for us to take this prescription now, take the dawa, take the medication on its prescribed times. And of course, if we do this, then inshallah, ultimately, what are we doing? We are earning the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are earning closeness to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Every ummati, every follower of Nabi Pak alayhi salatu wasalam, we all love Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasalam dearly. However, true love is displayed in following the lover. The beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasalam. We are the lovers. So we have to follow the beloved in every aspect that will depict and display the amount of love that we have for Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa You know, I heard uh, an Urdu poet mention something very beautifully once. He says, Kehte hai kuch log mere rag mein nabi nabi. Kehte hai kuch log mere rag mein nabi nabi. Lekin hai namaz hafte mein kabhi kabhi. There's so much of truth in this that a person will make the proclamation that the love of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam it flows through my veins. So much so that when the name of Nabi Abak is mentioned, you find a person he begins to sway in muhabbat. His head is swaying from left to right. But, parte hai namaz hafte mein kabhi kabhi. 
when it comes to action, then that particular person is performing maybe once a week namaz, twice a week namaz. So what kind of love is that? What kind of aishq of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is that? Allah Pak bless us with tawfiq to truly love Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to follow every single sifat every single quality of Nabi Pak alayhi salatu wassalam. So we are discussing generosity. Generosity in English terms would mean a person who gives a lot. A person who is generous, he gives a lot. However, in Islam, there are two types of giving. One is in imparting knowledge. And the other is that the person is generous with his wealth. So imparting of knowledge is something that is a duty and responsibility of every person who has any ilm, You see, this, it doesn't confine us to being an alim. It doesn't confine us to being a hafiz, a qari, a mufti, a sheikhul hadith. If we have any authentic knowledge, and I'm saying authentic because today again, social media has played such a pivotal role in our lives. Today, people just forward anything, everything, some of it is good, most of it is rubbish. We don't check. We don't check whether the source of what we are getting is authentic. I give you my own example. Yesterday, somebody posted on the news group that the Bella Bill has been passed here in South Africa by Parliament. So this Bella Bill is a very notorious bill, if I can call it that. It allows for sex education in school. It confines our religious studies in the schools. It allows for abortions without consent of parents. So many wrongs in there. There's so many wrongs. Yes, it is a bill that is currently being deliberated by parliament. And we as an ummah, we must make a lot of dua. And if we have to write also to the parliament and the ministers objecting to this bill, then we must do whatever we can. However, the reality is that this bill has not yet been passed. Now, one, two people posted it. So I had seen it and I thought, let us forward it to our Sheikh, Hazrat Molana Dawudza. Alhamdulillah, he is also very well informed of what is going on. He can verify whether this is true, false. And almost immediately, Hazrat replied to me that this is a very old and inaccurate statement. The bill has not yet been passed. However, dua is required that the bill must not pass. So I'm just giving you an example from dunya perspective. 
from a deeny perspective, as we go closer and closer to Ramadan, our Honorable Mufti Sahib, I don't know if he still mentions this, but in the old days, Channel Islam days, when we used to host the Q&A program with Mufti Sahib, come 10th of Muharram, one person would phone in and they would ask Mufti Sahib, is it okay if I grieve, if I give green faluda and red milkshake on the 10th of Muharram? So Mufti Sahib would answer, ban, buy, whatever it is, it is not permissible. <laughs> I can't talk like Mufti Sahib, but I'm giving you the... And then he would say, this is all taken from Lal Kitab, the red book, you know, that came from our ancestors, our real ancestors. They had this custom that you must drink red milkshake. Uh, it is denoting the blood of Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Green milkshake, the poison. So it's all nonsense. It's all from Lal Kitab. It's all fiction. Similarly, when we are coming closer to Ram <coughs> Ramadan Sharif, Sometimes people will post riwayat that are even mawdu, that are fabricated ahadith. I'm going to give you one example. It's got nothing to do with Ramadan. So people quote Nabi Apaq as have saying, seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. This is not a hadith. It's not a hadith, it's an Arabic proverb, an Arab proverb. But it's not a hadith. And the moment you acquaint it with Nabi Pakistan, then it becomes a fabrication. Hmm? So we have to be very, very careful what knowledge we disseminate, what knowledge we share. As long as it's authentic. Bismillah, by all means, share far and wide. Some people, alhamdulillah, they even have shock, they have a desire, they print one, two pamphlets also, they give it out. I know in Ramadan Sharif, people will print out the dua that is recited between the four akats. Very good, go ahead, disseminate that knowledge, share it far and wide. That is generosity. That is Sahih generosity. Hmm? All we need to do, just to cover our tracks, is before we do anything as far as sharing of knowledge, go to our Imam Sahib, our local Imam Sahib, say, Imam Sahib, I found this here, I want to print it out, I want to share it with the community. Imam Sahib will tell you, okay, this is fine, no problem, go ahead. Or this has some error in it, it's not an authentic hadith, it's very, very weak, it's this, it's that. He'll explain everything to you. Then you know what steps to take forward. The problem also here is that everyone's become mufti. Or rather we won't even 
give them the, the title of Mufti, we become Gufti. So everything is Google. Go to Google, search, and now, uh, wow, I've got my Sanad now, you know. I can teach the ulama even things. So we must be very, very careful. Google is a good tool to use. I'm not debating that. However, sometimes it will link you to such sources that are of Shia Aqaid, Qadiani Aqaid, different, different belief structures which do not conform with Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And that can lead us into a lot of problems. So the best Google that we must go to is our local Imam Sahib. Alhamdulillah. They have studied six years, seven years, eight years. And if they are unable to give us an answer, then Alhamdulillah, the ulama are well connected. They will know some mufti. They will know some person that is more learned than them. They will go and inquire for us or they will refer us to that person. Hmm? Can't expect everyone to know everything. Sometimes, I give you my own example. Three, four years ago, I was getting this sensation that was running through my face, my right hand side of my face. So I it was something to be concerned about. So I went to one doctor, GP. He told me, Molana, something wrong with your ears. I got to refer you to ENT. He's telling me, I, I don't know for sure, let's just refer you to the specialist. So naturally, because he's on the right hand side near the ear, I accepted, okay, no problem. I went to the ENT, specialist now. He put his machine in my ear, in my eyes, in my throat. He told me, Molana, you've got a condition called trigeminal neuralgia. So there's a, a vein somewhere in the face, that vein is squeezed. There is no shifa, there is no cure, nothing for it. You just go to live with it. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, this will be very difficult to live with. If Allah has ordained it, then what are we going to do? So I spoke to a dentist friend of mine. Sometimes you think it's got to do with the teeth also. So. He called me in, checked me out, and I told him that, look, this is the diagnosis that the ENT is giving me, trigeminal neuralgia. He told me, Molana, don't accept it. Don't accept that diagnosis. I will refer you to a neurologist. So now, I'm thinking neurologist, yeah, something wrong with my brain, something, what's going on here, but anyway, here. So he made the appointment, I went to see the neurologist. Neurologist just pressed my shoulder a little bit, little bit, yeah, the right shoulder. Told me, bye, you got no trigeminal neuralgia, you got nothing, is little bit stress. <laughs> you got stress in the shoulders, that is pinching on, because of the knots, pinching on one, two nerves. All you need to do, get one good massage, go for physiotherapy, 
and you'll be fine. And alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, that was the correct diagnosis. So what I'm saying is, how we got there, Allah jane, is that not every person has knowledge of everything. There's nobody that can tell you I know everything. There's only one alim, one khabir, and that is Allah Jalla Jalalu. So, mistakes will happen. Mistakes will happen, but we must just exercise with sabr, with patience. Gee, let's move on. So, imparting of knowledge. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has mentioned in one hadith sharif to the effect that there is no la hasada illa fisnatain. There is no jealousy except jealousy is not permitted except in two circumstances, two people. If jealousy had to be permissible, then it would only be permissible to have jealousy upon two types of people. One is a person whom Allah Ta'ala had given ilm and night and day he is imparting that knowledge. And the other is the person whom Allah Ta'ala has given his wealth and night and day he is spending that wealth in the cause of Allah Ta'ala. You see, why Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran Sharif, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu attaqullah wa kunu ma'as sadiqeen. O you who believe, fear Allah Ta'ala. In other words, the key to muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, Allah wa'alao ke saath rehna hai. That to stay with those Allah wa'alaas, those that have the connection with Allah Ta'ala, that will give you the ticket and the method of acquiring taqwa and love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now look at our mashayikh. Look at our akabirin. Sometimes in a single day they will have five, six, seven programs. Don't you think they also get tired? I remember few years back, good few years back, there was an ijtima that took place in Lusaka, Zambia. And all our elders, our akabirin, they had attended this ijtima. So they had come from South Africa and they came to Lusaka. So I was in Harare at the time I was teaching there few brothers, family, friends got together, let us also go for the ijtima. And Alhamdulillah, Allah Pak accepted us to go. So, that night, the elders from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, they were due to arrive by Isha time, but here there was some delay. So they ended up coming to Lusaka quite late at night, 11 o'clock or something at night. And I still remember Haji Abdul Wahab Sab Rahmatullah Alay, he's Rahmatullah Alay now, but he was very much senior at that time. He arrived, made wudu, 
went into the masjid, made two rakats, tahiyyatul masjid, sat down on the member and he said, Ajahubai, come. And he started giving dawat. Now, the point I'm saying is that he's come from such a long suffer. First of all, from Pakistan to South Africa, so many programs here in South Africa, then traveling by road to Lusaka. It's tiring. He's an elderly man. But he gets there. The first thing he does is he goes on 11 o'clock at night. Brothers, hear me out. And he starts giving dawah. So there is a, a, a desire to give dawah. These people of knowledge, people that are connected with Allah Ta'ala, their true desire is to connect others through them to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Hazrat Shah Hakim Akhtasab Rahmatullah How many hours and hours and hours even when he was bedridden, when he was sick, how much of ta'aleem, how much of nasihat didn't he share? Now you'll think, okay, that is that zamana. Also, it's not very long ago. Hmm? Look in our times, our seniors, Hazrat Maulana Abdul Hamid Saab Damad Barakatuhu, First Islamic weekend every month without fail. Saturday in Homestead Park. Sunday Darul Mazadwal. Bayanat, Nasihat. Even in ill health. May Allah grant them afiyat. Allah Pak keep them in good health. But sometimes they, our Hazrat Rahmatullah. I've heard this directly from him. One day he went there in Asheville, Masjid Noor, and he started delivering. He wasn't feeling good, getting a little bit chest pains and what have you. But he said, Chalo, yeah, now just give the bayan. And during the bayan, Hazrat Rahmatullah is speaking, but the pain is unbearable. And Hazrat himself mentioned this, that I thought to myself, I might as well just carry on, build the strength up and continue speaking. If Allah Ta'ala has to take my ruh, at least Allah Ta'ala will take my ruh while I'm giving da'wat and nasihat. So, from their point of view, from the Mashaikh's point of view, they see it as, you know what, I'm more in need of giving this nasihat than the one that is actually listening to me. Because I am in need of thawab. Perhaps someone within this community, within this majlis, gets hidayat, they give up some drug, they give up some alcohol, they give up some illicit relationship, they give up the gambling dens, they give up visiting the prostitute houses, they give up pornography, they give up all of this haram, haram filth. Whose book of deeds will that be written to? To the mashayikh and the akabirin. 
So there is the strong, strong, strong desire to always impart anything. Nabi Apaq mentions, Ballighu anni walaw ayah. Shade and spread it from me, even if it be a single ayah, single verse. So generosity in ilm, this is something that we must thrive towards. Spreading our deen. And you know, it starts off in the maktab. Today, unfortunately, we have given so less importance to the makatib. And the effects are going to see, be seen for generations to come. Generations to come. Gee, we are living in times where technology has advanced. People are doing online maktab. This is a big thing here in Cape Town. Online maktab. So, there is some khair in it. I don't know how they do it. I haven't inquired or anything. But how do you do an online physical teaching of namaz? How do, online, how are you going to teach the child how to perform salah? Ensure that the postures are correctly done. How are you going to do online wudu? Online janaza namaz? So online has its limitations. Maktab is not only about reciting Quran Sharif correctly, although that is a critical aspect of it. But it's also about saving our Iman, our Aqaid, our belief structure, ensuring that whatever Ibadat we are making, remember, these children, they're growing up. Many will only do online, online, maktab, till 10, 12 years old. So soon they become baligh. And if their namaz is not correct, but I did maktab. I did the online course for so many years, whatever it is. So now, khalas, what more is there to learn? So, sitting in a traditional classroom, this is something that is being watered down in communities and societies. And again, I'm saying, maktab is not only about, yes, you know, a lot of emphasis is given on sahih and correct recital of Quran Sharif. And I'll tell you why. It's because when a child goes home and the child reads to the parents and the parents see, mashallah, shabash, there is some level of improvement in the child. But many a time, parents will never quiz their children what are the four, forget four faraid, how many faraid in wudu, how many sunnats in wudu, what is the sunnats in namaz, what is the makruhat in namaz, what is the tahrimat in namaz, what is the wajibat in namaz, what is the faraid in namaz. This is critical. I'm not discounting Quran Sharif. It has a very, in fact, 
in my own maktab here, out of the full two hours, two and a half hours that we give, majority of the time we're giving to Quran Sharif, one hour. But the other time, that is when you go to communicate with the learners. So, I don't know how I got into this maktab discussion, but it's so important, the seeking of knowledge. Time is also against us. Let's take a quick break, inshallah. And when we continue, Allah give tawfiq. We'll continue on the topic of generosity. You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to our Tasawwuf and Tazkiyah, Purification of the Soul. <clears throat> so, we have been discussing generosity and such an important sifat and quality. Allah give us all tawfiq to bring this into our lives. And we mentioned that there are two types of generosity. Generosity in giving wealth and generosity in giving knowledge. But it's given with no expectation of getting anything remote in return. So, in today's times, even amongst the kuffar, there are many of whom we will find that are generous. They will give so much. <clears throat> but their generosity is limited to recognition. They need some recognition. Many people, they do it for BEE, BBEE and all of that status. Others do it because of their social responsibility, duties. Others do it so that they can get more tenders from the government, etc. But let's leave the kuffar, that's their problem. Amongst our people, you will also get many people who are generous. Some people are generous in the true sense of the word where they will give with no expectation of anything in return. Many, many times people will give huge amounts and they don't even want the person who is the recipient to know who gave it. They come to know a certain person has got a need, they themselves won't go and give it to that person. They will come to somebody else, either the Imam, the Molana or somebody, and say that I heard that certain person has some takaza, some zarurat. Do me a favor, just give him this, don't even tell him where it is from. So that is generosity. That is the true sense of generosity. In today's times, it's become adulterated. Everything is name, fame and show. So much so, that selfies are taken, selfies are taken with the recipient receiving it. Now again, I don't want to go into this whole discussion on the hurmat and the prohibition 
of photography, be it digital, be it whatever type of photography, our view is simple. Photography in every form, every kind, is forbidden. Where the problem arises, you know, Alhamdulillah, Thumma Alhamdulillah, Allah has taken me to many, many parts of the world. Poverty-stricken, natural disasters, sometimes man-made disasters, and it's traumatizing sometimes to visit these places. And the mental capacity by which you find these people sometimes is beyond imagination. I was in Turkey just after the earthquake in the Adiyaman area. And about one hour, one and a half hours drive out of Adiyaman, it's a very rural setup. So these people, this village, they were living in like a valley. And I still remember, I mentioned it, that ulama kiram will appreciate visiting this area more than any person. Why? Because when the zelzala took place, when this earthquake took place, the ground beneath them gave in. And from the top of the mountains, boulders bigger than our rooms began to roll down and bulldoze that entire village. Some people were sitting in their small little living rooms and these rocks came rushing through and Alhamdulillah some of them survived. So the day I reached there, the community had obviously seen quite a few losses, quite a few fatalities. But Alhamdulillah, there were a lot of people that survived as well. So amongst themselves, they had nothing. This was almost 40 days after the, the original earthquake. There were ruins everywhere because it was so remote, so far from the city center. But the community themselves got together. One Sahi generous person had given them two or three sheep lamb and they slaughtered it as sadaqah and shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for saving their lives. Now why am I mentioning this? Is that you understand the morale. I give you another incident. When we just reached uh, one of the places in Adiyaman. Adiyaman was completely wiped out, completely wiped out. On the outskirts of Adiyaman city, we saw one home and few homes actually that were completely flattened. 
from the zelzala, from the earthquake. So because we hadn't yet seen the real damage, this already had taken effect on us. So we pulled off the road and we stopped to greet these people. And we met one person that was there and he, together with the translator, explained to us that they could have saved my daughter and my mother-in-law. For three days I heard them screaming under the rubble, but I couldn't get to them. And his fingers were bruised. There were cuts. He was trying to dig them out with his own bare hands. So I was also overtaken by emotion. I took out some money and very discreetly, quietly, I put it in his hand. He opened his hand, he looked at the money, he gave it back to me. <laughs> and he's telling me through the translator, Chef, I am in a difficult position. But there are people just living a hundred meters away that have lost their entire families. Go and give them, brother. They in more need. So understand the morale, understand the psyche of the people that have been stricken by natural disaster, by man-made disaster, war zones, etc. You go into Afghanistan and you see people living literally in mud houses. Mud houses. Their children are bare feet. Some of them don't even have clothes on. There's nothing, no utensils, no food, no water, absolutely nothing. I, I used to mention to my team when I was there that Allah allowed for me to visit the home of Fatima bint Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhama. She is the great-granddaughter of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you look at that house, and now I look at the houses here in Afghanistan, and it's very similar. Very, very similar. It's unbaked homes. Now, this is a message to myself, teams that travel with me, and to all organizations alike. Allah Park is giving you an opportunity of khidmat khalq to serve the creation. What is the need of bringing those children, first of all, into a video which is haram? Fine, you say not haram. Right? That's between you and your Allah. But you bring in those masum, masum children, those elderly people, those crippled mothers into a video club, all with the intention of trying to acquire more funding, find your niyat may be correct, to do more good work, but belittling these people, taking away their dignity, taking away their izzat, their honor. They, for them, many, many years ago, Allah Pak took me to Jordan. 
just when the Syria war had broken out, 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. And we were stationed in Makrat. And there the refugees were just coming in. So fresh, when I say fresh, they had literally uprooted whilst this bombing, the shooting, this killing, this massacring, all of that was taking place. They literally got up and they ran with whatever clothes, whatever they, they could grab. Now many of them, it was winter, so many of them, they didn't even have shoes on. But you look at these refugees and you think to yourself, SubhanAllah, they are well dressed. I mean, some of those refugee aunties had Gucci bags. So you can think that they are coming from wealthy homes, but their homes now got bombed. Their savings, their everything is gone, khalas, is non-existent. But she managed to catch a purse and run out with a purse. Ben -ben. But she has no shoes. Now you've put together hampers and what have you and the second hand clothing there. And you see this woman, La ilaha illallah, you see this woman. She's going through those second hand clothing to find shoes for her three-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old child. But she's got a Gucci bag with her. Brothers, listeners, think to ourselves for one moment. Allah Pak has given us everything. But in a split second, if Allah Pak had to take away everything and now we have to go in queue in that line for a loaf of bread, for a sip of milk, for a pair of shoes, for a blanket, for a parcel, whatever it may be. You know how demonizing that can be. Now to add salt to the wound, we have one professional. This is the strange part. You're taking also a professional photographer. So what is his duty? He must click away, make videos, make this, make that. So already the whole niyat is harab, is taken through the trash. This generosity is a pure sifat. It's a pure quality. We must not make it napaq through our photography and through our our videography. We must not make it napaq by demonizing the recipients. If Allah Park is putting you in this khidmat, then do the khidmat, but do it correctly. Don't take the izzat of these people away. Where is the benefit? Now, yes, the excuse is always, I need to show my donors, I need to show the people. They, they trusted you with their wealth. They trusted you with their wealth. Now, 
you can do only so much to prove to them that you have discharged it. I don't blame the people because there's so much of corruption also, so much of theft, so much of dishonesty. But then, then too, come on, where do we draw the line here? Where do we draw the line? Where do we as individuals draw the line to say that, you know what, one is proving to my donors, one is proving to my Allah that I'm not going to break his commandment. So, there has to be some very stern reform that takes place with everyone that is doing this khidmat everyone. I myself, I remind my team time and time again, but this phone has become such a big fit now, I just want to click away, click away, click away, click away. Sometimes, you know, you go, those children are beautiful, blue eyes, blonde hair, take one photo of the child, but for what? For what? That child is petrified, terrified, traumatized, been through so much. First of all, we are strangers. We may look like, I don't know what we will look like in front of those children's eyes. I fear sometimes when I go out to even pick up a child and hold a child because I don't know how that child is going to react. They've been through so much already. So we need to reform our generosity. It all boils down to ikhlas. Sincerity of intention. For whom am I doing this? For what am I doing this? And there's so much of name, fame and show that has entered in and filtered into our lives. Allah must forgive us, all of us. We are all guilty of this here. This photography thing has become the fitna of the season. It's taken the trophy away. The trophy of ikhlas is no longer existent in the society, in the community because of this mobile phone. to be careful. These are not small gunas we are talking about. Nabi Pakistan said, the one who will be punished the most severe will be the musawirin, those who take photos and photography. Take your photos of the buildings. Take your photos of the ruins. Take your photos of anything inanimate, no problem. But leave the people one side. Don't take them. And you know today is so advanced, there's drone footage also now, drone footage. So some people even travel with drones. A drone must now come and glide and take, you know, zoom in and zoom out. It's very nice to look at. So people think, ah, you know, look how professional, look how professional. 
But professionalism lies in the obedience, in the ita'at of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What kind of generosity is that where we are invoking the wrath and the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I'm sorry, I might seem like I'm lashing out and you know, people will say, but it's the new zamana, we must embrace technology. Embrace technology, yes. But don't embrace it so much that it now suffocates your own iman. It suffocates your own amal. We lose all the ajar and the thawab, all because of an embrace so tight that it suffocated our iman and our ability to see and differentiate between haq and batil, between truth and falsehood, between jais and najais, between permissible and non-permissible. And that is the, 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 the reason of ilm. You have ilm and knowledge so that you can do this, differentiate between what is right and wrong. Person without knowledge, then he doesn't know. He'll eat pork also, no problem. Drink alcohol also, no problem. But because we have knowledge on the prohibition of pork and alcohol, that is why we don't go near it. But when it comes to the pro other prohibitions, like this here, then we downscale it. No, 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 times have changed, you know. We need to embrace technology, embrace. We've embraced technology to such a degree that our brains have fallen out and we've now even gone onto television. That is how much we have embraced technology and allowed our brains to fall out. Hazrat Rahmatullah would always say, be broad-minded, but don't be so broad-minded that your brains fall out. Allah Pak has given us this aql. Allah Pak has allowed for us knowledge. It is sad, very, very sad state of affairs. And I'm not targeting anyone, I'm speaking in general. Because it's a general guna that's taking place, it's an arm guna. In the old days, Radio was only radio. Today's times, radio has become television. Radio has become television. Even the radio stations are embracing television so hard that it is squeezing the living daylights out of our iman from us. I'm talking Islamic, so-called Islamic radio stations. Embracing to such a degree, we're creating this, we're creating this content, we're creating that content. But for what? Are we not bombarded with sufficient fitness already? Then we'll say, Allahumma ikhwanana fi Gaza, ya Allah pak help the people in Gaza. Ya Allah massacres are taking place in Rafah. Ya Allah pak Masjid al-Aqsa has been decimated. Ya Allah pak the Jews are going into Masjid al-Aqsa. Wallahi, the Jews are going to continue and they will continue giving us such a hiding, such a hiding, until we don't change our act altogether. We need to change our act. We have to stop this nonsense.
looking everywhere. You know, in today's times, that's why I'm saying we've created so many filters in Sharia. Insurance, we found a filter. Medical aid, we found a filter. What and what? Soon gambling will also. No, no, it's not gambling, it's like this shit. Gambling will have a filter. Everything in this filters today. Loopholes, loopholes, loopholes. Gee. Sometimes we have to speak about these things. I'm not shouting at anyone. Forgive me if I came across hard. But it's already a, a sad affair that we have stooped so long, so long. And it hurts, it pains, it's, it's very, very painful to see this degeneration taking place right in front of our own eyes. And we're not even realizing it. Shaitan, he took that oath that I'm going to lead these people astray and sometimes they will not even know they are committing a guna, so now they're not going to make toba. Shaitan is winning this battle. The only solution, the only solution is that we have to come back to idaat of Allah Ta'ala, idaat of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the easiest way is go under the hand of a, a Sheikh Kamil, a pious servant of Allah Ta'ala, and he will tell you, Baba, you're going wrong here, you're going wrong there. Straighten this out, straighten that out. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant me tawfiq, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant you tawfiq, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant the entire ummah tawfiq of making amal. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala use us all for his deen in a manner that pleases him and pleases him alone and Allah Pak rid us of all these fitnas and all these illusions of fitnas that have camouflaged the garb of sin in front of our very eyes Jazakallah khair for joining us Allah Pak accept it. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.